like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is a podcast that's been created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you're tuning in from today, thank you. My name is Paul Joy and as the host, it's my privilege to sit down with Yarra Old Grammarians, Yogs, to unpack a little of their experience and their adventure at school and then see where the choices and options and opportunities have taken them in life since leaving the school. Today I get to sit down with Ryan Bahagia from the class of 2001 and see how some of the choices and decisions and some of the changes that have unfolded for him. I'm going to ask him a little bit about his sporting pursuits. We're going to explore some of his time in the classroom and then some of the adventures that have happened since leaving school. I'm going to begin by asking Ryan whether he had a favourite place at Yarra. Enjoy this conversation with Ryan Bahagia from the class of 2001. Ryan, did you have a favourite place on site here at Yarra Valley Grammar? Oh, thanks, Paul. That, that's a good question. I hadn't, I hadn't anticipated that one. Um, look, when I think about it, that, that, I don't know if it's still there, but that bushland down the back, that was definitely um, a standout favourite place, I have to admit. I mean, it's not often that you, uh, you have a school environment that includes such a la- la- large area of bushland and I remember particularly in primary school, we, we uh, were taken down there and taken on walks and shown all the different sort of flora and fauna. So yeah, that, that definitely stands out as a, as a great memory. Fantastic. And that's interesting because absolutely that bushland is still here. And, and I think we're still trying to work out how best to use it and how to protect it at the same time, make good use of it. Um, I'm intrigued to hear that you uh, went down as a, a primary school student, a junior school student. When did you start at Yarra? When, what year level did you remember when you came? Yeah, I, I, um, I was a preppy, Paul. So I did, uh, I was one of, I think it was, I think there weren't more than half a dozen of us that actually went from prep through all the way to year 12. Um, so, yeah, I had the full Yarra experience, so to speak. Yes, and and in that time, your uniform changes along the way, doesn't it? As as you move from one area of the school to another, and there's almost a, a rite of passage, I think. From and did did you recall jumpers changing colour, for example, and maybe when you had to wear a blazer or, or when you had to wear a tie versus when you didn't? Yeah, that, I have vague memories. Um, I mean, this year was twenty years out, Paul, so um, probably a pertinent time to have a chat. Uh, since we missed out on our um, reunion as well. But, yeah, in, in respect to the uniform, I, th- I do remember uh, vaguely there was a change. I think it was – was it from red to black or um, something like that? And, yeah, particularly around uh, wearing blazers and um, becoming more presentable and it, it all came with, with an increase in trying to, 
to become more mature, I suppose, as you move from the junior school through to the to the more senior levels. Yes. Tell me a little bit about the the process, the journey, the frustration perhaps of learning how to tie your tie. Did you ever learn how to tie it? Was it tie it once a year and kind of slip it off carefully? Uh, I think the latter, Paul, definitely. Um, you know, I, I do remember learning how to tie a tie, but being resistant towards doing it every day. So what you did is you sort of tied your tie up at the start of the week and then you made sure you could slip it off and over your head and um, and then you just put it on that way every day. Uh, it was not so much about, you know, saving time. I think it was just about ease more than anything else. Um, for sure. I, th- I think there's something to be said for tying a really nice, neat knot and then holding on to that, uh, at least getting a week's worth out of it is, uh, is definitely part of... Uh, Part of, I think, what a lot of our students continue to do today, which, you know, why wouldn't you? It, 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 it was, I have to admit, it was a great skill to learn. I mean, you don't realise that until you start having to wear a tie. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Have you, tell us a little bit then, have you had cause to or reason to, whether regularly or, or on a special occasion, have you worn a tie much since leaving school? Um, I'm trying to think. Look, the, the, the most memorable times I can think of that I wore a tie would be, uh, you know, at social events, um, weddings, particularly, um, when you're trying to, you know, present yourself in a, in an interview format for a job. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, I think workplaces are becoming more accepting of not wearing a tie. Um, but I still think it's a really important skill and something to have, um, in your in your back pocket because I think it just shows that you're professional, um, you're neat, um, and it sort of illustrates that you recognise that it's an important moment as well um, when you do get dressed up and wear a tie. Yes, I, I appreciate that reflection and I agree with you. I think it does allow you to present a particular way and, and that gives a, a certain sense of gravitas to the moment and to mm. the experience and if you can take care of yourself and your presentation that that sends a message as well so I, I, I'm pleased to hear that that's one of the things that you learnt out of your time and, and you know there are plenty of students who, who push back on the whole wearing of a uniform and, and having to you know wear it a particular way and tuck your shirt in and so forth but you are quite right there are life lessons to be learnt as a result of that. It's symbolic it just and just on that it just came to mind Paul the, the, the whole symbolic nature of wearing a tie and presenting yourself well I think it's really important because it plays into your own psyche as well so when you're going for an interview you feel prepared you feel neat you feel like you're presenting well so it gives you confidence as well. Yes, I agree with that. And I think in in our current circumstance where where so much work and study has has moved into our own homes and our own closets and, you know, at the, the end of the hallway or wherever it might be, there is... I think a mindset that that sometimes certain clothing can help us to get into a a, a mindset that says right I'm I'm here I'm focused I'm ready to work uh, and sometimes clothing can help do that as well when when other environmental issues and and scenarios around us aren't giving us those messages. Yeah, that's 100%. Yeah, definitely yeah. definitely agree with that. Take me take me back into junior school for a little while and I appreciate it is a long time ago. Um but I wonder if you can recall any camp experiences. Were there any excursions or camps that you remember going on that that were pretty cool 
Uh, yes. I, look, I don't remember if this was during junior school, actually, but I do vividly remember one particular camp where we did rafting, whitewater rafting. Um, I don't know if that's still run, but that does stick out in the memory, and I remember it being particularly hard. <laughs> Just um, from a physical uh, perspective, I suppose. Um, but, you know, engaging and a life lesson nevertheless. So that, that is one, one camp. Uh, uh, and, and going to Hauka, is that, is that still a camp? Uh, not a regular f- spot for us at the moment, no. Yeah, yeah. But all those, all those experiences and, um, you know, particularly the rafting and, and, and getting out and doing those, those activities was something that I know um, some people don't have the opportunity to get. And, um, yeah, in reflection, it was certainly uh, a part of uh, my time at Yarra that I really uh, feel very thankful for, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's terrific. Um, we're speaking with Ryan Bahaja from the class of 2001, and Ryan has already shared with us that you, you went from prep through to uh, year 12, and that is that is a special relationship and connection uh at such formative years of your life. I wonder if you can take us back, and again, acknowledging it's quite some time ago, but the transition from year six into year seven, where there's, you know, lots of students come from lots of different backgrounds and different schools, and, and, and you probably go from, you know, a full year, year level at year six to about a third of those same go through to year seven, and all of a sudden there's all new people to, to, to get to know or to, you know, to try and work out how do you fit in this new crowd. Tell us some memories about year seven. Yeah, that, that was a big deal um, for me particularly. Um, I think there's pros and cons with, you know, starting at prep and going all the way through to year 12. Um, for me at that stage in my life, uh, I was perhaps a bit adverse to change. So making that move from year six where I was in a very comfortable environment. I'd grown up with all those students. Um, I knew the teachers. Um, And then moving to year seven where, as you said, you only retain a small fraction of those students into year seven. Your teachers change, your uniform changes, as we've already discussed. Um, It was a lot for me to come to terms with um, at that particular age. so, yeah, and, you know, looking back, I I was a very different person in junior school to what I was in my early senior school years, um, and I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing. I think that was all part of the process of coming to terms with that change um, and, you know, coming to accept it and see it as um, not only a challenge but something that was positive for my development. Ryan, I, I wonder if you can take us into the classroom now and and maybe in middle school which which nowadays we refer to that as sort of year seven through to year nine and and during that time there are times when you move together as a whole year level and and you're in all of the same classes and then gradually as you move toward year nine you get to start choosing some electives and you're having a bit more choice about what you're doing do you recall back then that you started to steer in a particular direction? Were there certain, you know, were you a strong math student? Did you enjoy English? Were you loving the music exposure? Where sort of were you starting to feel more comfortable in the classroom? Uh, yeah, I think that the, the two two sort of things, 
to talk about here. One is the curriculum and, and I suppose from my perspective, I think moving into those special to specialty sort of streams allowed me to explore maths a lot more. So um, I did specialist, I did methods um, and I did physics as well. So, you know, I, I started to recognise a strength in those areas and was able to explore that a lot um, with those electives. But, but the other aspect of, of, you know, not necessarily moving through class with the same bunch of students for every single class you have is um, it allowed me in reflection to meet a lot of different people and mingle with people that I otherwise wouldn't. Um, and looking back, that was really important for me because I was a bit adverse to change and, um, you know, I was a little bit shy, uh, admittedly. Um, that was really important for me to start to get to know other people and make new connections and friends. And that's exactly what I did. Um, and that was, that was an excellent part of that, that, um, that process. And, and again, I, I appreciate that you're in reflection, able to identify there's things about the organization of our school and, and whether it's from uniform and how your uniform changes and also the social groupings and the learning groupings how they change over time and gradually I guess expand your your scope and your reach as as the student matures and as you grow into the uh, ability to cope with those new changes so I, I'm, I love that you have been able to break down for us some of the transition some of those changes but you now see that they were valuable, they were helpful, albeit at the time they're stretching you and, and maybe even some discomfort, but actually it's to help you grow. Mm. The, um, the, I, think the, I think the other aspect of senior school that I, I jotted down a few points, Paul, the other aspect is um, the, the extracurricular activities that are open to you at those year levels and for me particularly sport uh, and another thing, sort of change I saw in myself that I didn't recognise till later in life was, you know, in, in primary school, I wasn't particularly active. I didn't have an interest in sport. But as I moved through the senior school, um, I think uh, allowing me or encouraging me to participate in those extracurricular activities really um, developed this interest in sport and activity and, and those sort of things. So I think that was really important. Yeah, I love that. And and so your experience, it seems, that hanging out with your mates throughout the week and then showing up again on a Saturday for for Saturday sport, for school sport, you enjoyed that. What sort of sports, where would we find you? Yeah, so um, I did soccer in winter and then played cricket in summer. Um, wasn't particularly good at either, but that wasn't the point. The, uh, the point was, as you said, um, we were able to go out on a Saturday morning, hang out with our mates, um, you know, have a laugh uh, and sort of work as a team. I, I didn't really appreciate as well at the time how, how it consolidated all of those aspects of teamwork, um, which, is, which is really important, as everyone knows. So, yeah, aside from, you know, the, the benefits of physical activity, there, there were a lot of other, uh, um, other wins in that program that at the time we, uh, I didn't really appreciate or understand, but now I do. I really do. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I think that's not uncommon that when we're in the moment, we don't appreciate the value of it and uh, the significance of it, but it's it's helpful to get to a point where we can reflect enough. So I agree with you. It's, it, it is about team, those sports in particular, but is there a moment in particular where, you know, was there a catch that you took and it might have been skied up high and you were perched under it for a long time and, you, you you know, all these ideas and images come running through, but you held onto it or maybe you dropped it. Was there a, we needed three more runs and you were the chance to hit the winning run or was there a, a, a particular intercept or a, a tackle that you made out in soccer that, that saved the day? Is there a special sporting moment? Yeah, well, we, so I was in the B team, um, which was a lot better because it was a bit more relaxed, to be honest. <laughs> um, and I remember our coach was Mr. Manning, um, who I believe has recently retired. Only uh, just recently, yes. Yeah, he, he was an excellent teacher and um, man. Um, and, yeah, I, I didn't really understand at the time, but I was actually quite decent at running. Um, which I, I hadn't realised up until, you know, those latter years in, in high school. So I was, I was pretty quick off the mark and Mr Manning sort of at half time said to the rest of the team, oh, you know, let's get it, just give it to Ryan and he'll run down the wing and, you know, we'll, we might even score a win because we, we hadn't won a game, you know, we, we weren't particularly good. So, um, yeah, it was just, I don't know, that that's really sticks out in my memory for some reason. For, I think that, that moment, I think it just gave me a lot of confidence that someone else had recognised in me some sort of value to the team. Yeah. Yes. And, and all of our listeners right now want to know the end of that story. Did they kick it to you? Did you run down the wing? Did you kick the goal? And maybe it doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to say yes to all of the above. That sounds like a good commentary for the end of the story. So, yeah. And, and we, and we went and went and on and ended up winning. So <laughs> that was, that was good too. That's a good day out for the B that's soccer right. team. That, that's right. That's a good day out for the B soccer team. <laughs> Uh, that's excellent. I wonder whether you, you might take another step back and, and you've been doing really well at reflecting on some of the, the, I, I guess the values and the the um, implications of your time at Yarra, but there's no doubt that that a school can have a strong influence on our character and and our outlook to life. And I wonder if you can reflect that maybe there are some attributes in your life now, so maybe activities or pursuits that you are part of now that that may have had their foundations during your time at, at Yarra Valley Grammar. Yeah, I think two things. Um, the first is I think it was, for me, really positive to have that experience from prep to year 12 because I do perform well in an environment that I'm familiar with and comfortable in, but also it allowed me in a way to be a little bit of a, a leader through those through those um, transitional years, so to speak, because, you know, I was familiar with the school, I understood how it worked, um, I knew what the curriculum was like, uh, who the good teachers were, etc. So I think that was really important. And, and the other thing that, the, the second thing that really stood out for me was, um, and I didn't, again, understand this at the time, but 
the hearing impaired unit um, and the foundation of that in the early years of the school, um, reflecting on that, I think that had a really profound impact on me because at the time, I think it'd be safe to describe that as quite a pro progressive initiative. Um, and yeah, having, you know, a different mix of students in the class and trying to understand the challenges that they're going through in the classroom and trying to, um, you know, help them through those challenges at time as, as well, um, was really important and, and developed a, a certain empathy in me, I suppose. Mm, mm. So take us then, if you wrap all of those experiences and understandings and learnings and you get to your senior years, you're in year 11, year 12, and the subjects that you chose were perhaps heading you down a particular pathway. Um, we don't need to know numbers, but did you did you do reasonably well at the end of high school? And where did that get you? Where did you go next? What was, as a result of a good result, where did you go? Yeah, I, I did reasonably well. Um, and then uh, went on to engineering at RMIT um, and did that uh, combined with business. So that was a double degree. Um, and, you know, reflecting on that, I, I don't think that was part of any sort of real process of decision-making. I think it just, for me at the time, was a reflection of where my strengths were at the time and, and what perhaps others had done around me and those influences they had had on me. Um, and, yeah, I ended up doing, um, doing engineering at RMIT, so... Um, I, I, at the time as well, I, I had some, you know, extracurricular interests in um, cars and that sort of thing. So I think that moulded that decision as well. Hmm. And, and did you work in that field? Yes, yeah, yeah. So I did that for uh, that course. I did for six years um, and was lucky enough to spend one of those six years working at the Holden uh, Engine Factory down in Port Melbourne, which um, is long gone now in this day and age. But being a cars guy, you're in you're in uh, in heaven. I was in my element. Yes, yeah, that is true. Uh, at the time, I, I was definitely uh, in my element. Um, and then you know, I finished that course. Um, still didn't have an idea about where I wanted to go career wise, uh, Paul. To be honest. So you, you didn't pursue working other, other than the six years, you got some work along the way. So then what are you doing? You've got a, you've now got a, you've, you've got, you're qualified as an engineer. Um, are you, are you using any of those skills or do you decide, actually, I'm going to keep exploring. I'm going to try something different. Yeah. So the story sort of got, continues from there, but um, I, I ended up after that degree, I, uh, I en actually ended up on Hamilton Island doing project management. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I, I went up to Queensland. I moved up there for two years. Um, and again, thinking back, it was, a, it, was a, it was a very hard decision because I still was a bit adverse to change, but it was one of the probably most 
defining periods of my life, if I can describe it that way. Um, because again, it was like how I described that transition from year six to year seven. It, it required me to make a whole different network of friends. It required me to perform professionally in an environment that I was, wasn't comfortable in with people that I hadn't met before. Um, but ultimately it gave me a lot of personal skills that I still count and use on today. Um, so yeah, that was a really important period, I think. Mm. That's fantastic. And, and again, it seems like, you know, and, and of course there's always a, 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 the other side, but the idea of working on Hamilton Island would be attractive to many. And that sounds pretty glamorous. I guess if you're bringing some engineering, project management type skills into that environment you're probably seeing not all the glamorous sides of Hamilton Island I imagine yeah that's true so at the time um it's interesting at the time Hamilton Island isn't the Hamilton Island you can go and visit today um a lot of the stuff that you will see today when you go and visit the island was getting built during that period um, so that's why there was a large construction workforce. There was a large engineering workforce that actually lived and worked on the island and on the mainland on Early Beach. Um, so, yeah, it was a very challenging environment to work in and required you to be very resourceful because, uh, one, you were isolated in location. So everything coming to the island had to come via ferry. So you had to plan your logistics very well. And number two, you were working with people that perhaps hadn't had much experience doing that scale of construction before. So there was also an element of coaching and guiding them through that sort of level of complexity in the work. Mm -hmm. But as you said, it, it still... It stands as a bit of a, a highlight in your own growth and your own learning to have those experiences and then be called upon to to to, to take that lead to interact socially and and I imagine that perhaps part of your working interactions are also your social interactions when you're in that isolated environment which you know that that's testing that doesn't always go really really well um, what about now what are you doing nowadays what's oh. what's happened since then well, a lot's happened since then. I'll tell you that much, Paul. A lot's happened since then. But um, so that that was probably, geez, that was about 10 years ago now. Um, and now I'm actually doing first year graduate medicine at Deakin down in uh, Warren Ponds near Geelong. Um, so... So, so okay okay slow down whoa yeah. whoa whoa you can't you can't just drop that and uh, so so you've qualified as an engineer you're working as an engineer you've gone to some remote locations beautiful though they be you've tested yourself you've challenged yourself you've grown in yourself and sometime down the track you then go actually I imagine I think there's more I think there's something else there's there's more for me to explore what is it that prompt you to explore going back to study no less medicine because you're you're signing up for another gosh I don't know how many years it is nowadays but that's another serious commitment to education to learn to qualify again presumably in medicine what what propels you into that and then tell me a little bit about what it's like right now 
Yeah, so the job I did previous to going back to study uh, for medicine was uh, for a water utility. Um, and again, it was doing project management. Um, I was based in Melbourne. Um, and the most defining thing I can think of when I think of that job is, you know, it was, it was perhaps a little bit more of the same that I'd done 10 years previous. Um, and I started to reflect on that. I started to think about, you know, geez, you know, I'm only, you know, I'm not, I'm not old. I have, I have, you know, three or four decades more of work. Um, a, what are the reasons that I ended up here? And B, do I see myself being challenged and, um, you know, growing in, in the current role I am? Um, and the answer to that first question was I ended up there because I think I moved around a lot in my engineering career and I think that distracted me from the true fact that I perhaps hadn't uh, gone through a really strong process of decision-making early on. Um, and aside from that as well, I changed a lot as a person in that time and that's going to happen. That That's a natural part of growing, um, that change. So there was that. And, and the other question around wanting to do this for the next 40 years really haunted me and made me make that big leap because the thought of doing that same thing for the next 40 years versus going back and dealing with all the challenges I've had to deal with in the last couple of years uh, really outweighed that. So, so yeah, there, there, was a, there was a massive process. And I must say that um, one of the reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing today is because... I was extremely lucky to have incredibly encouraging parents um, and a partner that uh, supported me in that decision. And um, I understand that making such a big decision like going back and doing a medicine at, at this age, um, it, you know, it, it's not available to everyone. And I, and I do understand that I'm, I'm extremely lucky and privileged to be able to be doing that. Mm. It, it intrigues me that you've commented a number of times about change and mm. you're almost not wanting to embrace change. You, you, you're almost change averse. You don't, you don't want to change and yet you've recognised that change has been part of your life. And then, and again, you, you commented that you're, you're changing as a person, as a man, you're, you're learning things about yourself. That's all about change. And then you go and <laughs> discern that you're going to make such a significant change. You've actually, you've welcomed change. You've embraced it. You've gone from, from work to study to, albeit with some support around you, but you, you are, you are all about change now. I, Jotted down, as I mentioned earlier, a few things before we started our chat and I had theme change because when I think back from prep at Yarra, moving through primary school, senior school, into tertiary education and now, it's, it, you're, you're exactly right. It, it's been about change. And, and when I think back on those big changes, they have been extremely difficult to make 
and have challenged me in a lot of different ways. But ultimately, when I reflect back on those defining moments, they have been undoubtedly some of the best things that have ever happened to me. And, you know, it extends to now when uh, I'm going through first year medicine uh, during a pandemic, um, which is just, you know, we, we can spend another hour talking about that. But it, it extends to now dealing with all those challenges and thinking about and holding on to the fact that in 10 years' time I may reflect back on this big change and think the same thing, that undoubtedly it was the best thing I ever made. And although it's tough, it's, it's really important. Mm. Mm. Okay, so you're right. We are just going to tweak this conversation a little bit because you've been reflecting on change. You've, dare I say, embraced change. We as a society here and, and in lots of ways, we are very, very privileged and very, very thankful to be living in, in for those listeners, uh, we're in Australia, we're in, um, in Victoria and change is actually something that is apparent every single day and i think change is going to be so significant as schools come back as as universities whatever that's going to look like as as businesses open again slowly and sporting clubs and and the music industry and and entertainment and bit by like there's enormous change about to happen perhaps from changing from being everything open to shut down was very rapid change. We have the potential to be maybe a little bit more strategic, a little bit more planned, a little bit more prepared for the changes that are coming. What are one or two things that you might reflect on and, and share with us about individual change and growth? And do you do you embrace it? Do you fear from it? Do you think it through? Do you talk it through? Do ha, What are some ideas that you might offer us to how to engage with the change that is coming anyway? Yeah, I, I think so. In our course at Deakin, we are emphasised to reflect a lot um, and that is a big feature of, of medicine in general, I think. But uh, particularly at Deakin, we do a lot of reflective writing Um we we do a lot of reflection on where we can improve ourselves, where we can improve our learning styles, what areas we need to learn in um, to to fill out knowledge gaps. So for me, throughout the last two years, uh, reflective writing has been an extremely important part of not only dealing with that change, but trying to understand it more so you become more comfortable with it. Mm. And and have you engaged with, I mean, that that's your course giving you some guidance and direction and, and probably even some some requirements around that. Has, that. has that moved into your own personal experience? Like are you a, a regular journal writer every morning? Are you, are you involved in, you know, putting gratitude notes around this? What, what are some some, I guess, rituals or routines that you've embraced to help you with change? Yeah, I, th I think, I think it's, it's made me aware of how important reflection is and I think it's made me a much more reflective thinker. 
Um, I don't think that comes innately to to a lot of people, um, to be honest. So I think in a way, on a subconscious level, it's made me more aware of reflecting on decisions I've made or things I've done or things I've seen and trying to reconcile and understand that. But on a on another level of dealing with all the change that we've had with COVID, a really important part of that for me, and it comes back to what I mentioned earlier, has been physical activity. And um, I, you know, make sure that I get up and um, exercise every morning. Um, it's a really important part of my day. And admittedly, in a way, you know, it, it's become more of a chore because I've sort of recognised that I need to do it and don't want to do it, uh, whereas pre-pandemic it was probably more of a fun and social thing. But nevertheless, it, it hasn't diminished how important it is in any way. Um, and it, it, it's really grounding, I find, as well. So if I don't do that routine of physical activity in the morning and then I have to sit down and do seven hours of Zoom classes... I'm not engaged. Um, I, I, I don't remember anything I've seen at the end of the day. And mentally, I, I feel a lot more drained and unproductive. And, and that can be a really bad spiral. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, I appreciate that, uh, that note and that that guidance really that it has worked for you and 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 it, therefore sharing that and that experience with others is really helpful actually i should i should add paul that i know uh, i i do recognize a, a lot of people talk about exercise is important and uh, you know it, it's really an important part of the day but but it's whatever works for you really you know it, it if if art is your thing or cooking or or anything um really is uh that you can identify that gives you that sort of relief, I suppose. Yes, yes. No, I, I take that on. I, I agree with you. I think find your thing, find that thing that, that restores you or that, that um, offers you that routine that can be helpful for some people um, that maybe gets you going and, uh, and sparks things for you. Whatever it is, find that. And, and maybe it takes some time to explore what that might be. Try a few different things. And then once you find something, even when you don't feel like it, you realise that you're better when you do that particular activity. And uh, for you, that's ex- activity and exercise, and I think that's a good good thing. Um, Ryan, I wonder whether you might uh, join me now as we head down a little part of our uh, conversation that I like to call the lightning round, where I'm going to throw a few quickfire questions at you, and some of them will be one-word answers, others will be, you know, half a sentence, and... Um, We'll try and challenge you a little bit, but most of them will be at the top and the forefront of your head. Okay. Ryan Bahadja, are you ready for the lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Ryan, what house were you in when you were at Yarra Valley Grammar? Uh, Wonga Park, um, family home on an acre. Oh, I beg your pardon. No, that's good. I was going to come to there. In in terms of what um, schoolhouse were you in in terms of... Was it uh... plumber? Plumber. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, I'm going to come back to that uh, home, as in where you lived. Question in a moment. Plumber. Were plumber any good back in your day? Oh, I. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. We we were very good at swimming, and that that is a great memory I hold from Yarra. We we, we won. Um, I think we won a 
a couple of swimming carnivals when I was there, actually, on the back of a few very strong swimmers that were in my um, in my house. Yeah, yes, very good. It was great and memories, though. Great memories of celebrating that. What would you say was your great contribution to your house success? Yeah, I was a decent swimmer, Paul. So yeah, I, one of the one of the great memories is the the relay that you know we won one of the years that I was there, and there was another guy called um, uh, Luke Cartwright who was a very strong swimmer, and um, yeah, I remember he was in plumber too, and. It was great. Just it was a good feeling winning everything. Although winning's not everything, I do. I, but at that time, it was it was good. It was good. Yeah. Well, it'll be good for uh, all those plumber yogs who maybe were in some lean years of success for plumber um, to hear that. Uh, oh, look! <laughs> they all <laughs> yeah, they all you, have their strengths. <laughs> <laughs> they all have their strengths, and uh, and Plumber have certainly got still got some strengths, and that's a good thing. We like to celebrate that. <laughs> um, Ryan, how did you travel to school? Oh, I um, I was lucky enough to get dropped off and picked up every day. <laughs> very nice, yeah, very, very nice, very privileged. Is there a uh, a house? I beg your pardon. A musical or a drama? Something on stage that either you were in the audience for that that is memorable, or maybe you were on stage yourself. I do remember being part of the backstage crew one year um, with a number of other larrikins, I'll, I'll call them that, and um, and I do remember during one uh, set change we had to push out this huge bit of kit that was on wheels and I remember an over-enthusiastic push and the whole thing went up and then crashed down. So, um, oh dear. It, it was funny for us, not funny for the, uh, the poor people on stage. No, no, golly. Tell us, uh, Ryan, what was something, a, a regular feature in your lunchbox when you're at school? <laughs> Jeez. Oh, now you're testing me. Uh... Oh, I, I wouldn't even remember, Paul. Uh, like white bread sandwiches probably is a defining uh -huh. feature of the 90s, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right, yeah. yes. Being a car guy, what was your first car? A AU Falcon. And you don't see many of those around anymore. Uh, but, yeah, that was a ripper little vehicle. Yeah. Good one, good one. Um, if I was coming to your place for dinner, thank you for inviting me, uh, what are you going to serve up? What's a go-to in terms of the kitchen and food preparation for you? Oh, I love cooking as well. Uh, like exercise and cooking are great um, activities outside studying. But uh, I'll, probably, I'll probably make you a – are you a vegetarian, Paul? Or I'm not a vegetarian, Okay, no. good. I'll, I'll make you a slow-cooked lamb then. Lovely. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, take me out of the invite list, but you've got a table of guests from any era, any time in history, and you can have three people over for dinner. Who would you like to have at the table? Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, Barack Obama is, for me, a really interesting person. Um, I highly recommend reading his book. Um who else? Oh, oh um, probably Einstein. It'd be really interesting to sort of pick his 
brain, I suppose. And um, and Ian Thorpe, just on just on how he made that transition from being the top of his sport to to a life outside of that. Yeah. We recently had uh, a, a yog. Uh, Brendan Smith, who uh, just did wonderfully well in uh, in the Olympics, and uh, he wanted Ian Thorpe to come over for dinner as well. Um, I I must confess, I hear a lot of wonderful guests. I I think maybe I need to start working on see if I can actually pull some of these uh, dinner parties off and see if we can get some of these guests together in the room. Wouldn't that be amazing to actually see it through? Paul, I tell you what, if you got me fifteen minutes with Barack Obama, I. I'd do a few more of these for you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me work on it. Let me work on it. Um, I wonder if uh, over your journey, whether there's a, uh, a travel destination, something that uh, you have been to that you would uh, recommend and maybe something's on the bucket list once we can, where would you like to go anywhere in the world? Yeah, one of the trips that really stands out, my partner and I did, uh, it would be about five years ago now, we went and uh, climbed Mount Kinabalu. Um, so the top of that is about 4,000 metres, I think. So it's not super high, but still challenging nevertheless. And um, that was just an incredible trip that I, I highly recommend um, that if we do get the opportunity to travel again. And um, on the bucket list, uh, we... we before the pandemic, we were planning a trip to Sri Lanka, um, so we'd really like to to do that. I, through my studies, I met a couple of international students from Sri Lanka, um, and they had glowing um, sort of reviews of their country, so I'd love to do that. Mm, mm, that sounds good. Um, what was your nickname when you were at school? Oh, Budgie. Aha. <laughs> and they, Very and people good. still use it. Aha, very nice. Tell me, uh, Budgie, what are two of the most used apps on your phone? Oh, goodness. Oh, WhatsApp. Yes. Yeah, WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger because I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, Paul, because that's the only way you can communicate with people at the moment in lockdown. So I have found online messaging services to be the most important thing um, but the problem you have is that you end up with, you know, 15 different groups that you're trying to manage. Uh, but it's still, it's still a really important of, you know, trying to be productive during this time. Yeah. Yes, agree, agree. I want to give you an opportunity and, and put all humility aside, uh, an opportunity for a 30-second brag. What's going really well for you now? What are you excited to be working on? What's just around the corner? What's something that you're really proud of? I'm proud of getting into graduate medicine, Paul. I am very proud. I, 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 there's not a lot of people uh, at my age that have the opportunity and um, the support to do something like this, so I am really proud. And I'm proud of the way I've approached my first year as well. I'm on the cusp of finishing my first year, which is, which is a massive milestone in medicine. Um, so, yeah, that... That is that is going well, and I'm glad you asked that question because it's really it's really easy to lose sight of what is going well at the moment. So I think that that is uh, really important to to think about 
You've mentioned a couple of times the support around you. Tell me, tell me, take me back to family life um, when you were growing up, and you know, was it? What are some features of family life that helped you feel supported? You know, was it that the trip to school every morning was a, an opportunity to set the day up? Was it because you always had dinner around the table to, to, together at night? Was it maybe holidays that you did as a family? What, what were some of those things that that you would say? helped you to know you were in a family of great support yeah all those things I, I think the little things are the things we easily overlook and just getting dropped off and picked up from school is is a massive deal um a lot of people don't even have that luxury um as you said going to school with a packed lunchbox every day that i didn't need to put together again a huge luxury i mean we we engage with you know, communities as part of our course. And um, there are programs that, um, you know, go out to schools and, and run lunch and, and tuck shop programs because the, the students don't have access to, to food and that sort of thing. So it, 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 as, it's just those little things that, that can be really easily overlooked that I now look back on and think they, they had a huge impact on where I am today and what I was able to achieve through those through those years. Ryan, I've really enjoyed uh, you unpacking and reflecting on your journey and uh, some of the things that you've learnt along the way. You've given us some insights into your own journey and your own growth, and uh, and 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 I like that we can see very clearly that some of those have been stimulated and inspired by your time at Yarra Valley Grammar and 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 we're really proud of that and we're proud of you somebody who for a long time rejected change and now appears to be embracing it and uh, and that is growth and development I have uh, one maybe two more questions um, and and I really appreciate your time maybe my final question is a two-parter then what is the one question or the one area that um, you really wished we had had the opportunity to talk about what's the question you wanted me to ask but I haven't yet asked and then you can answer the question yeah I think it would have been great to talk a little bit more about the challenges of making such a huge change at this stage in in one's life um because as I said there aren't a lot of people that go back and do study this intensive and on a personal level, there's been a lot of doubt associated with that and that is always in the back of my mind a little bit um, and I think that's why it's been so important to have all those support networks around me um, and also, as you made me verbalise before, think about what I'm proud about and what I feel like I'm doing well and what I'm grateful for. Hmm, hmm. I appreciate that, and uh, and you're quite right. There's a couple of things that we've just touched on briefly that we could we could head down for another whole conversation about a variety of those, and and maybe maybe we will one day. But for now, thank you, thank you for your time, thanks for your generosity of storytelling and reflection, and I I feel proud that our school helps young people grow and develop in such a way that they can embrace change and significant challenge as you have done over your journey and and even now have 
have chosen to, to, to bring that in and to say, yes, I'm going to embark on this next adventure, this next journey. And, and I don't necessarily know where it turns out. I don't know necessarily what the end point is, but I'm going to start and then let's work our way through that. And, and I, I love that approach. And you seem to be somebody who, despite some hesitation, is willing to step forward and discover the next step after that. And, uh, and that is a, a terrific um, feature of your journey. So thank you so much for sharing and for uh, letting us in on some of the insights. Thank you. No worries, Paul. I, I think in closing, one of the only things you can count on these days is change. So it's good to develop some ways of dealing with that as we've discussed, yeah. And there you have it. An interesting fellow. A great conversation with somebody, as I mentioned a few times there, resisted change and then learned to embrace it, to welcome it, to move toward it. And in a season, in a time of history right now, where change seems to be part of all of our experience, some nice tips in there from somebody who has experienced a lot of it. Thank you to Ryan and his insight and his perspectives and his reflections along the way. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you have, I wonder if you might do a couple of things for us. I wonder if you might consider sharing it, letting somebody else know about this podcast, the Inspired by Yarra podcast, and also whether you might leave us a rating and a review. If you want to make sure you don't miss out on another episode, then follow us or like us or subscribe different podcast apps have different ways of staying in tune but if you can work it out on your device and in your app then we'd love you to join us again next time as we sit down with another yog a yarra Olgramarian, see how they too have been inspired by yarra thanks for your time thanks for being with us and on behalf of everybody here at yarra i want to wish you another day of inspiration where you get out there with a level of intentionality to make a positive impact in the world around you.